This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com. Hey, this is Stephen James. Thanks for listening to the Sage Hill Podcast. I've got a great guest today. It's a good friend, uh, a great therapist, uh, a wise thinker. Um, his name is Zach Brittle. He's an, a marriage therapist in Seattle, Washington. He's uh, trained in the, in the Gottman Method. Uh, he's written several books. Uh, he, he has a, a different take on marriage, um, a different, uh, less romantic, um, but more effective take. I think he's helped hundreds of couples over the, over the last 20 years find um, why they're married and what they're married for and, and the, the importance of their marriage. And uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, you're going to listen to two friends uh, who've known each other a long time, kind of make sense of things. I met Zach uh, over 20 years ago or about 20 years ago, and um, we've stayed in touch for a long time. He's taught me a lot and we've learned a lot from each other. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. Also, I want you to know about some Sage Hill uh, Live Fully workshops that are starting back. We took a hiatus during COVID. These are Friday afternoon, all day Saturday, uh, small five, six, seven, eight people um, therapy intensives where you can come and focus on some issues like codependency or trauma and grief or uh, being yourself in the world, uh, living fully. Um, if you want to know more about our upcoming workshops, go to sagehillcounseling.com and there's some information on there. Uh, we're going to be doing those starting, I think, in September, maybe October. Uh, really looking forward to those. Thank you for listening. And um, if there's anything we can do, let us know. We're here to help. Hey, Zach. Hey, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. I'm, I'm really excited that you're here. Um, uh, I get to do your podcast at some point, right? Well, uh, yeah, your assistant freed you up in December. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I was like, uh, I don't think she knows who she's talking to because I'm special. I'm, I'm important, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not so going to interfere. Your podcast is a, is a, like a lot of people listen to it. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. We have, uh, I think we'll hit 2 million downloads this week um, or this month. I don't know. When is this wow. coming out? Whatever. It'll so we're, come out we're in a couple of weeks. We're, yeah. creep, we're creeping up on 2 million and um, that's pretty fun. And we've done almost 200 episodes, I think. So wow. and now, now kind of famous people are, are, are agreeing to talk to me. Do you know who I get to talk to? You don't know who I get to talk to, but no, who you. do you get to talk to? Christine Lilly. The soccer player. Yeah. Like maybe the greatest of all time. So I think she's doing your podcast. She just became the greatest of all time. Well, here, there's a, there's a false debate about the greatest of all time between Mia Hamm and Michelle Akers. Um, but they're both like almost exclusively offensive machines, powerhouses. I mean, they're, there's really no different there. players though. You have a midfielder yeah. and you That's, have an attacker. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, uh, but Christine Lilly is, uh, in my mind, the greatest there ever was. And then of course the debate changes if you're, you know, 38 instead of 48 or 28. So or why is she doing marriage <laughs> therapy radio podcast? Cause I asked her to. <laughs> Um, I asked a year ago, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Maybe this isn't important, but uh, I'm interested in talking to people who are really, really excellent in their field, their chosen field, 
and learning what they have to teach us about kind of the, the mundane, right? Like everybody's married. A lot more people are married than our famous soccer players. Um, or, you know, we had a, we had David Wilcox on a few weeks ago, you know. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. He had a career out of making, you know, writing songs and touring. And I think it's just interesting to see like, what is the, what is whatever you learned about what you do relevant to sort of the layperson or the, the average person. And so it's been kind of my little pet project to find people who are just really great at their jobs and helping them understand. So we talked to, uh, um, talked to a top gun pilot. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And we talked what to What did he teach you about marriage? Well, uh, I guess the core of his message probably was around the idea of you got to trust your, you got to trust the process basically, or trust your intimate instruments is his sort of catchphrase. But there are, there, you know, there are things in your life and around you that are telling you how you're doing. And sometimes when you're getting data from your body or from your partner or from your you know, world that it's not going great, maybe just trust your instruments, trust your process, trust the things you've already invested in. Um, I talked to a guy who's a professional nerd. Uh, he makes these YouTube videos telling you everything you missed in last night's episode of WandaVision or whatever. And, uh, and that's actually where it started because I was watching WandaVision and going, wow, there's a lot in here for couples. And so I just asked him, I said, hey, you want to talk about that with me? And so he did. It was, it's just cool to hear people talk about what they love and figure out how to, if it makes sense to other people. So, okay. So I, I did a little intro before we started the, the podcast and I mentioned that we've known each other for over say? 20, 20 years now. Yeah. When did um, you get to Seattle? Cause I got there in 2001. Yeah. So it's been, you know, 20 years for sure. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and uh, I've, I didn't say this in the intro but I've seen you evolve as a person uh, and as a husband and um, as a human man uh, a lot in 20 years. Right. And And I've seen you pretty committed to that process. Like. I'd like to think so. Um, Yeah. I'd like to think so. You know, we have, so I don't know if you mentioned my wife, Rebecca, we've been married uh 24 years so yeah i've known you most you, of my married say, life so you you're are you not sure you've been married 24 years or i sometimes i don't know sometimes i'm not sure uh, the, the kind of the thing that we say uh for comedy but it's actually true is we've been happily married 22 out of 24 years um okay. because number eight was really really bad and number 18 was not that great either but um yeah so that's our that's the that's oh, the way I that said, we, my, my thing is we're on our fifth marriage. I've yeah. been married five times. Yeah. To, Heather, to the same woman, right? To the same woman. We're, we're, re, we're renegotiating our fifth marriage right now. There's a theory and, uh, out there that uh, long-term committed relationships are only designed anthropologically to last three years. And so 24 for me would be eight. I've been married eight. I've been in three different, but a lot of where people get in trouble is they don't negotiate. Like you said, you know, uh, those with any intention. Right. So if you even just think about th- three is usually about about how long you're married before you have a baby. It's about yeah. how long you're married before you have a second baby. Um, it's when you're done with your children having babies, it's about how long you have until you start to be aware of, OK, this is how I'm going to operate inside my unit. You know, um, and yeah. so there are some natural kind of parts of it. It's about how long it takes you to buy a house or whatever. I mean, 
But well, and also three years is about where you become immune to someone's pheromones. Totally. Right? <laughs> okay. The, the biology of attraction is done. Totally. And now you're doing something besides primal relationships. There you go. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's, so yeah, fifth marriage, eighth marriage, you know, 22 out of 24, basically it's, uh, it's not, it's never what we signed up for, right? We signed up for death till death do we part. And then, you know, uh, I'm not the same person I was when I said those words. So I don't, you know, I'm, I have no idea what I, okay, I know. Say I more about that. I, it's not what we signed up for. We signed up for death do us part. And you're not well, the I mean, same I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm keenly aware that when I got married at 24, holy cow, I've been married half my life. Um, I just, that math just occurred to me. So yeah, I'm 48. I got married when I was 24. So I've been married half my life, but I know that I stood up in front of a whole bunch of people at 24 and I said things like, well, I said, I do to things like richer and poorer and sickness and health and better and worse. And I didn't have any idea what it meant. I had no idea what I was saying. And then I said something like, I'll, I'll do this till I die. And I didn't know what that was either. Cause you know, when you're 24, you're going to live forever. And now I'm like, Oh, Oh, I'm wow. going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm still committed to doing this. And that doesn't, that becomes a decision you have to make like day over day and not just one that you kind of declare in your twenties and hope that it sticks. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's okay, my. So you just did your Zach Brittle thing where you said something like really profound, but you said it like it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, so uh, let's go back. So, so you, okay. You, yeah. You said it's a commitment you make every day and you make it over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Okay. Did you say in the pot in your intro that this is my job? I'm a couples therapist. I did say you're a couples therapist. I probably okay, yeah. That. Yeah, that's your so I have this conversation with people all the time, right? I'm talking to people about their marriages all the time and I'm hearing them talk about what they thought it was or what they hoped it was or what it would be. And I've just become convinced, frankly, that it's just, it's ultimately it's just choice. It's a choice. It's choice. Like it's not fate. It's not love. It's not endurance. It's not luck. It's choice. Like, and so you have to just wake up and decide. Most of us decide unconsciously uh, and passively that I'm going to keep doing this and that can be fine. That's sustainable. You can, you can get through your days like that if you want to. Uh, um, if I want to, I don't want to be in a marriage where I'm getting through my days. Well, but, but, it, but that's why they call it settling down. Right. I mean, I'm just, I can settle. I can settle down. Maybe. Or I can wake up and make my choices, right? I can go, okay, I'm going to choose to make today different. I'm going to choose to make today better, you know, because um, that's what it is, right? You talk about for better and for worse, like better, better than what? Well, better than, I mean, shoot, year eight was better than year nine, but can Wednesday be better than Tuesday? It can be. I just got to make sure I'm, well, actually, year eight was terrible for us. Year nine was amazing. It, your your nine was incredible. Was it amazing because your eight was so bad? Uh, well, the badness of eight created a choice, you know, and we chose to lean in and invest and do some work and do. Uh, so it became a really powerful and redemptive experience for us. So you know, I guess it just speaks to the idea of like I get to decide what I'm going to do with the fact that some of this isn't what I signed up for, you know. I, I am so grateful that most of what my marriage is, is not what I signed up for. <laughs> like right. if I got what I signed up for, oh my goodness. Like, uh, um, like yeah. I did not know how much I needed Heather's loyalty. 
Like, I did yeah. not know it. I was 22. So my brain wasn't even developed. You at least had a frontal lobe. I didn't. <laughs> okay. um, but, like, I have her loyalty and uh, commitment to my to me and our family and the process of being married. And, like, that has been one of the best things that I've ever that's ever happened to me, right? Yeah. Um, and for me, I didn't know I was getting that. I knew she was cute, like, really cute. Yeah. I knew she was really smart. Yeah, I knew that she, uh, we shared a lot of core values, right? I knew I could leverage the relationship to accomplish more. Like this, this is a 22 year old staking, right? I knew she made me look better than I did alone. I knew I was madly in love with her, uh, romantically in love with her. I was like passionately attracted to her. Um, I knew we could have great conversations. Um, and I knew I probably couldn't, I knew, yeah, I, I reckoned I couldn't do any better right but man her faithfulness her loyalty her steadfastness her long-sufferingness her uh um resilience her uh um depth her sensitivity like all these things i didn't know i was getting those are like all the things that have meant the most to me and have changed me the most you know and invited me to uh, deeper places yeah does, does she listen to your podcast no, not at all. <laughs> but maybe, She's going to miss out on all that stuff. <laughs> maybe somebody will tell her I said all this and then she'll listen to it. Yeah, no, yeah. She, she lives with a podcast. I'm always, Elijah said to me a few months ago, maybe a year ago, we're having a big argument in the kitchen as a family. And he said, you only listen when you're talking, <laughs> which is like, dad, you don't listen at all. You know, so maybe she'll hear me say something that someone else will tell her, but I'm always talking. I'm really listening. I'm learning to listen more to her and she's learning to say more. Right. That's cool. Which is super yeah. cool. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, how has your marriage like outside of year eight and 13, which are you know, a yeah. little bit of your story. Those are like epic years. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would imagine that stuff was happening before year eight and before year 13. That's just when you became aware, you needed to make some intentional choices and, Reb needed to make some intentional choices and yeah. Uh, like how is your marriage? You asked me a question yet? <laughs> well, not yet. I'm thinking out loud. Uh, how has it changed you? How has it changed how you think about therapy? Um, how has it changed how you sit with clients? Yeah. Or well, I can talk about me pretty easily. Um, and it's actually something I love talking to clients about. So, uh, just as a, like a piece of cliff note, um, we went to graduate school, same graduate school. So we learned a lot about humanity and the heart and narrative and story and blah, 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 blah and all that stuff. Um, I did my postgraduate work in uh, certifications in what's called the Gottman method. It's very scientific. It's very like, um, very like very specific about kind of this is, this is what's bad and this is what's good. And one of the things that's, so that's been really helpful for my career because especially because one of the things that's really bad again, little cliff notey kind of thing, but like he calls it the four horsemen of the apocalypse, predictors of divorive. One of them is defensive. Contempt, defensiveness. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. defensiveness, right? And uh, I am super defensive. I just, I just am like, and uh, about around about year eight, that was ruining my marriage. I mean, it was ruining a lot of things, but it was definitely ruining my ability to be in a trusting, growing maturing relationship with my wife. And, uh, and it almost ended our relationship. Like I remember exactly what she said to me, where I was standing and how, you know, how it came about. And, 
because of the, the, the invitation, I guess you'd have to call it, that she gave me to sort of shape up or ship out, I began to shape up. And I got to tell you that the last uh, 15 years or so, 12, 15 years uh, have, of working on my defensiveness has been the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my whole life. Like, and I'll say it in a couple of ways. One is, um, one thing is I've just kind of made peace with the fact that I'm defensive. I'm good at it. I'm really good at it. In fact, um, we were talking a little bit before we came on about soccer. I grew up playing soccer. I was always the 11th best player on any team I ever played for, but I was on two teams that were truly remarkably like, like really excellent teams. And I was a marking back. I was a, I was a, I was an outside defender and I was really great at it because I was patient and because I played angles and because I, I didn't worry about, uh, what you were going to do when you got the ball. Cause I just made sure you never got the ball. Like, um, and I never really understood that, that that was something I was naturally gifted at until it started like kind of, uh, well, <clears throat> let me put it this way lately, as I've matured in my thinking around my defensiveness inside my marriage, I do that. I'm really patient. I play angles. I don't get into conflicts because I make sure that you, that never happens. The ball just never gets there. Um, and that's not me about me kind of destroying or breaking down my wife, or it's more just about me saying I could be, I mean, again, really crappy defensive people. They jump in, right. They, they don't play. They, 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 they foul, <laughs> you know, they get, they might stop you from scoring, but they're going to hurt you in the process yeah. or they're going to, you know, they're impatient yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They're impatient. And so, I've a, I've just made a piece of the fact that I'm good at being defensive. Like I'm, I just don't try to fight that anymore. Um, but I, I, I'm getting, I got, I want to get really good at it. I want to be really good at being patient at really good at collecting enough information to understand what's actually happening, because there's a difference between a perceived threat and an actual threat. Um, or rather I'll put it this way, feeling threatened doesn't mean you're under attack. And so, you know, I've had, 12, 15 years to really work on this. And I, I'm so proud of it. Like, and my, my, uh, both my kids are defensive and just kind of helping them think about it and being patient in it. Cause they want to push my buttons. And, um, I don't know if I'm answering your question directly, but in terms of my practice, man, I love it. Well, you saw, you're answering the question of how has your marriage matured you? And it's like, yeah. it's given you a different relationship with your own defensiveness. Sure. Like it's not yeah. stopped you from being defensive. No. No. Right. And I love, I love when my clients come in because they come in and she'll say, he's so defensive. I was like, great, good. That's probably protecting you from a lot of stuff. You know, it's probably protecting you from, you know, the, the neighbor that's bark, the dog's barking and the financial difficulty that you may face. It might protect you from, you know, your mother. Um, the question is, is he going to get really good at being defensive so that it's not about, it doesn't come between the two of you, you know? Um, yeah. Cause I was really good at defending us from all of those other things, barking dogs, her mother, blah, 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 blah. But I was also like really good at defending me from her. And that wasn't helpful. It's it probably harmful. It was just not helpful. It was harmful. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. So, okay. So, uh, you mentioned your training. Like, and we were both trained in this really philosophical, um, human centric kind yeah. of way. Yeah. And then I'm we grateful both, for that. yeah, me too. And, <clears throat> and, 
you know, I'm Gottman certified. Also, I'm not, I've not gone on to the multiple levels and worked with John. Well, if you'd like me to tell you what you are, then I, because yeah, you're not Gottman certified. <laughs> you've, got, well, I got the you've been trained in level one or you've been trained in level two. two. Level yeah. two. You've, okay. I'm you've not completed level two training. Thank you. Well, they I'm a certified Gottman therapist. That's very different. And there's only I, about. <laughs> I don't want to be a certified. You're being yeah, that's fine. You don't have to. I don't to. want to be. A, you're protecting John Gottman. I'm just. You just can't take my credential away from me because there's only 400 wanna... of us on the planet. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and I, I'm I, very I, cocky about it. And I and, can hear uh, that. And yeah. bougie. It's very. It's very important <laughs> to me that I am one of 400 acknowledged and unique. No, what, what, oh, you know, oh gosh, I should have said, and I'm very defensive about it. I'm very, yes. that would have been poetic. Okay. But you were trying to ask a question. Got some really technical training on the other side of that. Like I, like I, like for me, back when I was doing a lot of therapy, like I, I got level two trained in Gottman. I yeah. then went yeah. and did a bunch of stuff with David Schnark. And then I went and did, yeah you know, when Esther Perel stuff before she was popular, like I was reading that stuff and trying to understand, you know, um, and, uh, I've seen, tell me what you think of this. I've seen when couples, the couples that I still kind of work with off and on, um, those technical things really help me frame a human encounter. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, and in my own marriage or my own parenting, like, um, I could totally see what's happening with like hasty startup or defensiveness or yeah. I could see I was doing it with my kids the other night and really at the end of the day it's me kind of going hey I was just a jerk like mm. I'm really sorry I I got scared and I raged at you and um, can we reattune or can we be like yeah, yeah can we do this can we do better you know? yeah um, it's lovely I, I think yeah thanks I think what I'm asking is uh in your practice as a therapist and in your life as a human um like in your work as a husband like the technical and the human and the philosophical like how do you feel like those play out like what's happening with you any given moment yeah it's 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 probably the challenge in my marriage right now i mean i certainly public on the podcast i'll say uh professional expertise is not the same as personal mastery um and, you know, Rebecca doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. She kind of got tired of hearing me pretend like I had it all together and didn't, uh, you know, she's fond of saying that the cobbler's kids have no shoes because it's, it's work. I mean, I, I can come in and talk to you about marriage all day long. I can really help you with yours. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not unlike a co- general contractor who goes out and works on houses all day long, comes home and finds out that he's got a leak in his kitchen or, you know, the molding is falling off of his floorboards and he doesn't want to do that stuff he doesn't want to like okay here i go i'm gonna get my hammer and my nail and do my stuff i want to relax so there is a little bit of a challenge to try and kind of knit that stuff together but i i, I find that my own personal therapy my own personal work has been more uh helpful to me in terms of just like taking some of the stuff that is factually and systemically helpful around couples work and trying to integrate it authentically and humbly because I, it, there's no way I can come in and be like, well, let me talk to you about this lesson that I can pull out of my pocket and give you the reason why gentle startup is going to be the helpful thing. Like there's no room for that in my house. I just have to go, Hey, 
I totally understand that I, I blow it and da, 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 I'm coming from a different place and I'm not trying to talk to you as an expert right now. Like there's just, I think there's a measure of like intentionality and explicitness that I have a special responsibility for in my house because to ignore that is to veer into some kind of like uh, grandiosity that I'm not interested in fueling. Do you think, I think this, I'll say, I think this, I like to, instead of asking a leading question. So I think that in marriage, we have the same fight over and over again. I've not had a different fight with Heather, like ever. It's yeah. just different versions of the same issue. Yep. Sure. Um, do you, is that true? Or is that just me in denial? Yeah, no, it is. I, it's a hundred percent true. There's a, there's a uh, woman, she wrote a really great book. Her name's Claudia Grauf Grounds. And the book she wrote is called um, we've had this fight before. And it sort of starts with the premise that couples don't have 300 fights. They have three fights. Um, and she outlines the three fights and she talks about the remedies. The thing I love about the book is uh, a, it's written for people who have kind of have a little bit of ADHD, a lot of bullets and cartoons yeah. and, you know, short <laughs> chapters and, uh, but B, it's extremely well-researched. She's done a really great job of bringing in lots of different perspectives to kind of coalesce into this one space. So I'll just give her a shout out. But um, it is just true, I think, that we have patterns that we get into where if we, if we really paid attention to the pattern, and that's a lot of the work that I do in my practice, is I want to understand the pattern. Because generally, you can lift out the topic. I can lift out work-life balance or sex or how to load a dishwasher and put Money, yeah. something else in there. And I'm going to have the same basic uh, system, same basic uh, argument. And that is the same core issue. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really about who you are and how you talk to each other. Um, I've learned and I've come to agree, I've come to appreciate that there are very, very few things that are uh, universally right, wrong, up, down, left, right, good, bad, you know, it's, it's not, there's not a right way to load the dishwasher. And at the extreme level, there's not a right way to practice monogamy or non-monogamy in your relationship. There's only the way the two of you negotiate terms as you come to grips with your preferences and styles and values and core sets. And, you know, of course I have opinions personally, maybe even therapeutically, but at the core of it, it's really about, does the couple have the skills to navigate difference from benign to extremely significant and malignant, right? Like, so let's talk about those skills. Let's get like, so I would think the, yeah. the, like the core skill would be like self-leadership or self-regulation, like I, my I ability yeah. to like maintain my own emotional posture and totally. regulate I've been myself. saying to couples lately, like um, this is my new profound thing that I say, like, it's no big deal, but it's like healthy couples are made up of healthy people. Uh, sexy couples are made up of sexy people fun couple fun fun marriages that's what i mean to say fun marriages are made up of fun people adventurous marriages are made up of adventurous people mature wise whatever and if you desire that fun healthy sexy mature whatever and you're not those things then yeah you gotta do some work about overcoming the resistance that's keeping you from those things you know yeah. um because you can't have the thing you want if you're not committed to being that thing. Yeah, I say the my biggest problem in my marriage is me. <laughs> like Heather's biggest problem in her marriage is her, right? But like if I yeah. can do me better, there's a pretty good chance that the relationship like is going to be better. 
Yeah. I I'll sniff that out pretty fast in therapy too, because if I hear a couple tell me their story, I'll, I, and sometimes I'll go, so wait a second, hold on, Heather. Uh, let me see if I get this straight. If we fix Steven, we fix the marriage. Cause that's what she's saying. <laughs> yes. And she's like, no. And I go, Oh, because that's what you're saying. So I, I just want to tell you, cause I love you and I don't want to waste your time or your money. That's not going to work. Like Heather needs to be worried about Heather. Steven needs to worry about Steven. And then when the two of you are ready to do that, we can actually work on the relationship. We can work on the, like the work. So I am in agreement with you. Yes. That number one is you got to take care of your, your side of the equation. Yeah. And do you, do you also, I think, uh, I'm really practicing not asking self-referencing leading questions and just telling you what I think and you can respond because okay. it's so annoying when people ask questions that they really are statements. Um, so do you, uh, I can't even do it. I think marriage then is my greatest teacher of how I need to grow and mature. Parenting would be my second for me. Is that common okay. or is that just Stephen? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've really ever thought about it like that way. I mean, obviously your wife and your kids are the, the primary mirrors that you have in your, in your house. I was showing you, dear listener, who's not here right now, I was showing Stephen my office uh, and he was like, why do you have a mirror? <laughs> and I was like, all right, there's a, there's everything why I have a mirror, but like mirrors, they tell us what's real. Right. And, um, or at least they show us things that we need to grapple with. And that is, uh, yes, our wife and our kids do that more than probably anybody else. Yeah. Cause even if we're not, I mean, yeah. So yes. what's number two. So I work on me. I'm, I'm the better version of me. I've had yeah. Number two is, um, we are protecting us from those things that are out there trying to get in between our commitment to us. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, it's a plural pronoun posture. Um, so, so we I, even prioritize go, like, the we, the us. Totally. Yeah. And I even okay. think about like when I teach people about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which let's say you said contempt and defense ministers, also criticism and stonewalling. I'll do exactly that, which is I'll say, you almost have to imagine that there are four horsemen outside your home, circling your house with torches and spears, trying to get inside your house. What would you do? Oh, oh, we'd call 911 or we'd, you know, unlock the gun safe or we'd store our valuables and make sure the kids are okay. We'd, we would protect us from those things out there. Now, um, it's possible that you have a guy that you marry someone like me who's very defensive. I bring that to the relationship. You have nothing to do with it. Well, Rebecca still has a posture, an opportunity to choose a posture of, we want to protect us from that thing that you're bringing to the relationship. And so when I get defensive or when I get defensive, particularly say, as I've been maturing about it, she can join that by saying, Hey, is it happening again? Or, Hey, I, I understand that there's, that this may feel like I'm trying to make you feel small or sad or angry, but I'm really just trying to solve a problem. Like she can protect us from that defensiveness or help protect us from that defensiveness by just knowing me and trusting the work that I'm doing. And I might do the same for her, right? Like defensive people generally find their way to criticism, critical people. Um, and I would put Rebecca in that category and she will come in and she'll complain about something. She'll criticize me about it. And I, part of what we've matured through over the years is I've learned how to say, Hey, sorry, sounds like you're like, something's going on and I'm about to get really pissed off about it. Are you trying to ask me a question? Could you, could maybe, could you just ask me a question 
instead of because I think I think it begin on me, but that's me protecting us from that thing out there called criticism, um, or us protecting us from that thing. So number one Not is you protecting yourself from her. Well, number one, yeah, sure, exactly. Number one is take care of your stuff, like do do your work, and number two is let's us protect us from those things. And incidentally, when it just speaking of parenting, like I think kids are on the list of things you need to protect yourself from. Like oh, they will they will destroy you. They're they want to. to they don't know themselves. that they want to, but yeah. they want to. And I, I I talk to new parents all the time. I'll say if you ask your infant or your toddler, hey, hey baby, would you like a hundred percent of my love and attention and affection and care and energy? They'd be like, yeah. Well, I'm not going to have any left over for mom or dad. Uh, okay, I'll still t- I'll take it. Well, I mean, the eyes are like the uh, had a revelatory moment as a parent as a human is like my kids need a thousand percent of my attention and it's still not enough <laughs> right like they would they would yeah. want everything that i could give them and they they probably need it and it's still not enough they would still want more yeah right? it's like yeah. watch me jump off the diving board daddy again and again and again and they really want that right? yeah who doesn't want that you know yeah um and yeah so in i've noticed in most marriages with children somebody has a primary concern for the kids and some, I think somebody has a primary concern for the marriage and it's rarely the same person. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll pay attention. That's not a thing that I would necessarily observe uh, off the top of my head, but. Um, and then just, somebody has a primary concern for themselves. They're not thinking in the we. Yeah. Thinking in a, in a transaction. Yeah. Not a, not a collaborative, like we're doing something. Yeah, totally. Um, huh. So what's the third thing? I think we're making a list now. Let me go back to the list. I like the list. Well, there is a third thing necessarily, um, unless I put it in this category, which is maybe the thing. Because if we're if we're just stick if we're if we're writing a book, and we wanted to talk about the three things, um, and yeah. we saw, we started with I, and then we went to we, then naturally we'd have to talk about the you, right? There's going to yeah, be that's where I was going. Absolutely. Eventually, there's going to be a you, and I lately I'm just of the posture that I think those first two give you the right, you have to earn the right. I have to earn the right to talk about you. Um, and I can only do that if I do the first two, right? If I do, if I do me and then I do we, then I can talk about you. And I do think that there's something to be said for, particularly if we're going to go back to sort of this every three year thing, or I've been married to the same person for five years to look at you and say, Hey, this is what I need from you. Like, and I can demand it, which isn't going to go well necessarily, or I can articulate my desire and just say, this is, these are things that are important to me as I try to imagine death doing this until I die. Cause that was a lot easier to imagine when I was never going to die. But now that I might die, I like, I'm going to need some stuff. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair to ask for when you've cleared the first two hurdles. Or I, 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 I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even say cleared the first two hurdles. I'll, I'll say, when you're when you're when you have confidence that you're interested in clearing the first two hurdles and your partner does too like i got lots of hurdle clearing left to do i haven't arrived we haven't arrived but if we're both it's It's like i do me i do we and then i can help you do you but that really is going to force me to actually look at me more help you i'm going to help you i'm going to help you do you like that's like that's like feedback does anybody want feedback can i give you some feedback feedback no No. (laughs) i don't want any feedback well, I do think there's a perspective that a spouse can have, such an intimate perspective that if it's 
of like, hey, I see you every day. I see I see things about you you don't see. Oh Lord, yeah. I mean, she like, knows me. Here's she a, knows better than I am. Do more like when I'm when I'm having about a depression. Say? She what? <laughs> she knows better than I do when I'm having about a depression or something, or if I'm especially anxious and I'm kind of still trying to function at the normal level. She's like, no, like, can you go read a book or something? Could you just? And then again, that's that's her helping protect us from that thing that's out there that's trying to make it harder. And you so think sometimes it's her also wanting more for you than you're willing to want for yourself. Yeah, like you're trying to survive. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a very, it's a very generous thing for you to say, but sometimes she just wants me to get out of her face. Well, well one <laughs> of the things you taught me is that it's always better to believe the best of my spouse than it is to believe the worst. So I think generosity goes a long way, right? Like to give them the benefit of the doubt and believe the best. That's a tool you actually taught me as an aside one day in a conversation about 10 years ago. And cool. It's really helped me. I think I remember, uh, believe the best was the thing I used to say a lot. What do I say now? I think I say something more clinical, like assume benevolent intent or. Oh, or gosh. Um, I just. Then, I think, then you said whether it's accurate or not, it will help your marriage. I'll give you a little mini lecture on that because I do think this is true. I think when you can attribute, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, this is real. This is one of my favorite things to do because it's a cool trick that people can use in their relationship, especially if their partner is not helping. Which is, um, you can make you can make an attribution inside your brain. Sorry, is this going to be helpful right now? I don't know. Uh, okay, good. This uh, is unscripted. <laughs> I like this part. I, I, I like teaching about this because it's like it's like people are like, whoa, that's really true. So let's say, Stephen, that you and I are having, uh, you're late, you're 15 minutes late to this meeting that you've invited me to. You could hop on to Zoom and I could be like, of course you're late. You're always late. You're always 15 minutes later than whatever you say. I don't even plan to see you because that's what, like, it's just like, I'm giving you a character flaw. Meanwhile, what happened was you're on your way to the meeting. There was an accident. You got out of your car, saved a baby from a burning car. Like I'm posturing. Which I would of course do. I'm posturing you to get defensive. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm actually helping you get defensive, even though you're a good Samaritan. Now let's say that you were just late because you're just lazy and late. And I go, Oh my God, are you okay? Everything okay. Did you, is it, is it all right? Like, did, did you, is there traffic or something? Like, uh, do you need a minute? And you might've been like, no, Zach, totally. I dropped the ball. I, I totally, I failed you. I'm a bad friend. Well, I did that in my brain. In my brain, my attribution that I gave to you about your negative behavior set you up to either be defensive or, or humble, right? And I love that I have that power, right? And even if you did something really amazing, like if you did something really amazing, like, hey, by the way, there's somebody knocking at your door, right? Oh, that'd be a bad one. That'd be pretty incredible. Um, but you do something positive. I'm like, what, why did you do this? What, do you just want to have sex later? Not you and me, of course, but like, um, that's really different than like, you're really thoughtful. And then maybe maybe she goes, well, actually, I was just kind of hoping, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I, but if I say, oh gosh, this is really amazing. You're so thoughtful. But she's like, ah, I just wanted to get out of my car. There's, it's been in there for a month and I just needed, I, I figured if I gave it to you, it'd be, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I think in our brains, we can set our, our partners up. And I'm like, why not do that? Why not just set them up to give you the response that you're looking for, which is the so, non-defensive, non-critical, non, you know, contemptuous response so as i'm thinking about our conversation these two themes kind of keep coming up in the background for me like fear shame fear shame fear shame fear shame 
Like that, it sounds like a core of what keeps us apart in marriage or keeps us from staying connected is either like my fear of something or my shame about me. Like that, those seem to be a, at a core of what we're talking about. Um, like, am I going to be okay? Or are you really going to see me? Or can I really fulfill? Can I really give you what you need? Like, I think I have a clue what you need and I don't think I can do that or want to do that. And I don't want you to know that I can't do that or want that. There seems to be an element of fear and shame at the heart of marriage problems. Well, you do like to talk about fear and shame. That's like, you're <laughs> better, so. <laughs> no, I tend just, to... maybe, maybe I'm fitting it into my grid. Maybe. Also, yeah. Cause I, listen, here's the... maybe it's the problem. It's a problem. <laughs> it might be true. It might be whether or not it's true. It could be now. Um, this is why I don't do individual therapy. Cause I don't, I don't, I'm not very gifted in those spaces, like around fear and shame, but I, I'm really gifted in the spaces around the system and the, and the prop and the, the, the levers and the, the leverage points in inside of, um, you know, my big thing, especially with clients is I just want to know what your agenda is and then I'll hope, and then I'll join it. And, you know, the benefit of those of us who've been in these kinds of roles for 10 or 15 years or almost 20 years or whatever is I've gotten to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of couples do it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of ways. And that actually does really help me go home with kind of an open mind about how are we going to do it tonight? And it's just going to be a choice that I get to make, you know? Have there been some couples that have not made it that have surprised you? Obviously there have, and there've been some couples who have made it that, and didn't make it like, because uh, sometimes it's just good and right and holy and true for this couple not to stay together. Oh, hundred percent. Right. Like, 100%. And then staying together is the harshest yeah. thing that they can yeah. do to anybody. Yeah. And then sometimes I, I, it's like you're working with a couple and it's like, man, they're like almost right there and they could be so fulfilled with each other. It'd be so meaningful. And they're like, I think I'm going to get a divorce now, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, and ultimately this is where my theory about choice comes to, because ultimately it's, they don't want to make the choice. It's not important. It's not valuable enough to them. Um, the, you know, the cost benefit analysis isn't there. And I, I try to say that as reflect that as graciously as possible. Cause I, I'm just like, you know, maybe it's just not worth saving. Clearly you don't want to work that hard. And that's not a criticism. That's just like, you know, you don't, which your personal trainer would tell you if you came in and you hadn't lost any weight at all. And he was like, why not? And you're like, cause I love ice cream and I never exercise. He's like, well, maybe stop paying your paying me, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, thanks. I'll keep my money. <laughs> you know, come back when I'm ready. Oh, so it's part like, you brought it all the way back around to what we started with. Like there's the choice. We make a choice to be married. That, that, that's, that's my gift. I bring it all the way. I can, I can do and that. We make a cho- We make a choice to make marriage mean more than just. A hundred percent. You have to, yeah. you have to, or else like you're just going to let yourself, you know, sort of trust things like fate or love or commitment. And those are all good. You know, luck, nothing wrong. A little luck helps a lot. But like, you know, you can't just settle down. Mm. Thanks, Zach. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Thanks for talking to me. I love talking to you. One of my favorite things. This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully 
Love deeply and lead well at sagehillresources.com.